You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. I feel like it can be hard to like find joy in the news, especially if you're marginalized. So it feels like it's an act of rebellion to kind of embrace our differences and put them on full display through photography when it feels safe enough for us to be able to do that. The decision to show up and be visible requires courage. And when we make that decision as business owners, entrepreneurs, industry professionals, many times we are bringing people into our sphere to support that visibility. Professionals like makeup artists, hairstylists, consultants, wardrobe stylists, and photographers are there to support you in crafting what your public image is going to be witnessed as and how you'll be perceived. But many times when we talk about visibility, we don't think about the people behind the camera and the certain level of courage that it requires for them to go from a job, an entire career path that leaves a device in front of their face, hiding their beautiful image, hiding who they are. And the decision that the courage that that requires to take that camera down and say, I'm here and I'm ready to be witnessed. Well, today's episode, we're going to be digging into exactly what that looks like for a photographer who made the decision to be more visible and to use their voice and to speak up about what matters to them and how it has changed their life, their business, and the lives of those around them. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire, the branding and visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I am your host, India Jackson, and I am so excited for today's guest and today's episode. As many of you know, I spent many years behind the camera as a photographer, and prior to that, many years in front of the camera as a model. And so today's episode has a special place in my heart as far as the subject matter of being on both sides of what that looks like, as well as a special place in my heart about the guest who I just love so dearly. In this episode, you're going to be hearing from our special guest, Shannon Collins, And we're going to be talking about quite a bit. So we're going to be digging into what Shannon wants listeners to know about the photography industry that you probably haven't considered before, how the photography industry has changed over time, why photography has the power to change lives, 
and why capturing joy is an act of rebellion in Shannon's view. Shannon's also been talking about what it means to be invisible behind the camera and its implications in one's life. And also, it wouldn't be a Flaunt Your Fire episode if Shannon didn't really dig into giving some advice to fellow aspiring photographers or seasoned photographers and an action that you can take right now to create some change, whether you're someone who is creating photos of others or is being photographed. And of course, Shannon is going to share what flaunting Shannon's fire means for them right now. And so I've said Shannon a lot, right? So let me tell you all about who Shannon Collins is. Shannon Collins has been aiming to capture joy as resistance for 12 years as the owner of Shannon Collins Photography. They connect clients with affirming vendors and advocate for safer, more diverse, inclusive, and accessible industry standards. And it's one of the reasons that I respect Shannon so much. In the past year, Shannon came out publicly as non-binary, queer, and disabled. Shannon recently founded Euphoria, a project dedicated to celebrating and photographing trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming youth in the Philadelphia area at no cost. Shannon volunteers for the Trevor Project every week as a crisis counselor. And Shannon lives in the Philadelphia suburbs with their partner, two children, chinchilla, Dutch hound, and 38 patient houseplants. Y'all, I can barely take care of my two houseplants. So much props to Shannon on that and all the beautiful work that Shannon is doing in the world. Let's dig in and get this episode on the road. Good morning, Shannon. How are you? Good. I'm very excited (laughs) to be here. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm great. And I am so excited to have you. I feel like this is long overdue. Um, I've been wanting to chat with you about so much. So I have a feeling this won't be your first time here or your last time here. (laughs) I just like audibly gasped. I saw the little like audio ticker thing go up and down because I like gasped. (laughs) So yay. (laughs) So I know I have shared your bio with the listeners of the show, but could you introduce yourself? Because I know there's always more to someone than what we put in our bio. Yeah, I kind of forget what I put in it. So I'm happy to do that. Uh, I'm (laughs) Shannon Collins. My pronouns are they, them. Um, I'm a parent. I have two kids who are very cool. I'm a wedding photographer. I also do families. And I have a project I founded called Euphoria, um, where I photograph trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming youth in the Philadelphia area at no cost. And we do like a really cool experience for them where they can have free out, a free outfit, essentially, that they can wear on their shoe and have their hair and makeup styled. And it's just like a really fun experience. So that's something I do. I'm also like really involved in the local community with LGBTQIA stuff. Um, I just started a library meetup for my little one to essentially like make friends in the area. Um, so yeah, it's been really cool being more involved and trying to like push myself out there and be more visible, which is very uncomfortable for me. Um, so that's <laughs> been definitely due to being in community with you and being encouraged to kind of do that. <laughs> well, I am so excited wow. that you have been putting yourself out there more and Yes, I just want to share with anyone listening that it's important to note that most most of the people that come to this podcast don't feel comfortable with like putting themselves out there and being super visible, but they're doing it anyway. And a lot like uh, building muscles in the gym, you know, the more you do it, 
the more ease there is to, I don't know if the discomfort ever completely goes away, but it also keeps <laughs> you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things that I wanted to dig in with you is the fact that you are a photographer and there's so much to being a photographer that I think other people don't get like an insider view of what that may be like and that experience mm-hmm. of being on the other side of the camera. And so when we talk about being visible and things like that, what are some things that you would want other people to know about the photography industry? Mm, I think I want to like preface this by saying I'm going to kind of like shit talk the photography industry and I love it. So like it's kind of like a parent when you're like talking poorly on your kid and at the end of the conversation, you're like, but I love them. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry in advance if this sounds really negative. Uh, but it, the industry itself is very like feast or famine. Like when you start out, you're kind of like barely charging anything for your rates. And on the other end of that, there's people who are charging like extravagant, you know, $10,000 for like a wedding. There's this also this like push toward community within the industry where there's hashtags that are popular, like community over competition. And I've found that like, it's competition. It's, it's not so much community. And I've found my own community within the industry, but I think for so many of us, it's a really isolating field. Um, there's like a lot of photographers who will prey on people who are like kind of quote unquote amateurs with like get rich quick workshops that are kind of cult-like. And some people have been called out for being abusive and many other things. Um, so a lot of the industry leaders can make you feel like you might have to like look a certain way to get booked or fit in. And typically it feels like you have to be like a thin white cis person, oftentimes male. Um, And I saw that a lot last summer with all of the like Black Lives Matter movements kind of happening and Facebook groups exploding and pushing out like BIPOC creators, specifically black photographers. Um, I saw a lot of like white admins in these groups, basically like silencing conversations and deleting posts and comments and things like that whenever any topics would pop up around like tangible things that are important, like racism or anti-LGBTQIA plus bigotry in the industry. Like there's so much silence and complicity in the industry that need to kind of have the rug pulled out and talk about, but it's covered up with a lot of like niceties and, oh, this photo's pretty, hashtag blessed. <laughs> Just like, ah! Uh, uh, it's so interesting you say that because you know, many of the listeners know that I spent many years as a photographer as well. And I was on a completely different side of the industry than you. I mostly worked with, in the beginning, um, actors, um, models, uh, entertainers, music industry professionals, and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of commercial photography is what I was doing. And I can say the same about that side of the industry. There was so much exploitation and, uh, preying on people. It just looked different. Um, Mm -hmm. It was very much like the white male stereotypical older photographer. um, And by older, I mean, you know, at least mid forties and they'd be preying on like these teenage models that in the ad campaigns are being made up to look like they're 21, 25, 30. But in reality, they're just like 16, 17 year old kids. Um, very much a lot of like sexual exploitation and things like that in that side of the industry. So it's interesting for me to hear that the experiences are kind of similar, even though the specifics of it are different. Mm-hmm. I yeah, feel like a lot has changed in that side of the industry, the commercial and like artistic side of photography industry over the years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like anything has changed over time 
and what you've seen in the photography industry from your side? I mean, like you said, it seems like it can be definitely like a really sexist industry. And I feel like usually when I'm at a wedding now and I'm shooting, there's usually a guest that comes up who's kind of presumably male. Uh, and they're asking like, where's your boss? Like, oh, you run your own company? That's so cute. And I'm just like, thanks. Like that stuff hasn't really shifted for me yet in a way that's kind of surprising. Um, I don't know if it's weird to geek out about like the technical side of photography and how that's changed. Cause I think that's cool to talk about. Uh, Absolutely. That- <laughs> I would love to dig in. Cause I feel like so much has changed <laughs> in that side. Yeah. I don't know if it's weird to go too far back, but my partner shared an episode of this podcast that we really like called 99% Invis- invisible. Um, and they just had an episode about the Shirley card. Do you know about that history at all? A little bit, uh, but I would love for you to dig in and explain for the listeners because they may not. Yay. Okay, cool. So in the 1950s, Kodak created this like color reference card to supply to printers so that they could be um, calibrated and standardized. So like the original one had some color swatches on the bottom and a photo of this white woman named Shirley who worked there. Um, And then they began to use like other women on the cards, but they were all white. Um, And then the film was itself like optimized with white skin in mind. Um, And I know that that only improved because Kodak had a big job with two companies. One was a chocolate company and one was like this wooden furniture company. And they couldn't expose the images properly to include the details of the chocolate and the wood um, because there wasn't enough like dynamic range. So they didn't want to lose business. So they kind of improved how skin, how basically like these tones were, were showing up and they didn't realize at the time, like that's going to also improve how dark skin tones show up, which they were getting complaints about because there were people being photographed side by side as students in schools for yearbook photos. So they'd see like the black kids in one group and like the, you know, the white kids over here and like the white kids are perfectly exposed and not so much for the other kids. So like finally in the 1980s, they started introducing a multiracial Shirley card, but Like, I know that that's gotten better. Like, I know that I can take photos with my DSLR and expose, like, multiracial couples properly. But those biases, I feel like, are still sneaky and in there and that they, like, show up in the presets and the filters we use. You can see that when you're, like, blowing out details of skin tones or making, like, green filters that muddy people's complexions. Uh, It's just frustrating because you still see so many publications, like, only just now starting to hire black photographers with, like, the first... Vanity Fair cover shot by a black photographer last year. It just like, it's frustrating that there's still these firsts happening, like as recently as last year. That's my rant. (laughs) I went on a whole tangent. (laughs) No, I totally appreciate it because it brought up so many things for me in thinking about like modern applications of that as well for those who may not be using like professional cameras for their work. Um, Mm. When you look at investing into like presets and things like that, so many of them are designed for skin tones that tend to pull more pink or more neutral. And so when you start looking at applying those same presets that so many influencers and, and people are selling on the internet to like throw this filter uh, from yeah. Adobe Lightroom Mobile onto all your photos, they don't work on dark skin tones the same way. And many times they can make people um, who are in medium to darker complexions like orange or do really weird things with their skin and make them look more green. Um, and there's just, you know, even in the world of having access to creating an abundance of presets, they're so easy to make in Lightroom. Even then, it is still really challenging to find presets that are flattering on darker skin tones. Mm -hmm. I think it was like really interesting to see 
Annie Leibovitz like capturing those muted photos of Simone Biles on the cover of Vogue. Like that's where I'm like thinking about the biases that we have and how they like show up because maybe Annie Leibovitz was like, I can still use my same lighting techniques that I use on like all these famous white women. And it's like, no, you have to change things. Like the people are not the exact same cookie cutter cutouts. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I've been excited about is really being able to witness the conversation about the industry being more on the radar of these types of things than it has been in the past. I feel like this is the way the industry has been for so long, but people just, they weren't aware of it. They didn't even think twice about it or they just were choosing not to talk about it. (laughs) And and now it's coming up in conversation. Um, One of the things that I noticed over the Black Lives Matter movement of 2020 and how that really just like took off and became like so visible in the media um, was that people started to talk about how things are named in the photography industry. Um, So for those of you that may not know, when you look at photography equipment, um, some of the language when it comes to lights and being able to get them to talk together has always been in the language of you have a master light and then you have slave lights that yes. are triggered by the master light. And that just, just gave me chills. Like it's so problematic. <laughs> yeah. And it's like when I first started, I really, truly, and I'm embarrassed to say that, like, I didn't think twice about it. And like it only recently was like, what the fuck? What is this language? Like, why? And I have started to see those conversations start, which makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. And seeing it like trickle into different like spheres of work, like how real estate people are kind of not saying master bedroom and things like it's interesting how normalized certain words are. And yeah. Well, I know a big part of what we talk about here is influence and power and how all of us have so much more of it than we realize. And I've always believed from the time that I started modeling way back as a teenager and was being photographed by other people until now, you know, having lived many years on the other side, mentoring photographers and things like that, that photography has so much power to change people's lives because you are literally crafting people's image together or image of themselves, you know? So whether Mm -hmm. that is what they decided they want to be perceived as or what someone else decided for them, Sometimes that's a photographer. Sometimes that's the ad agency or whatever it may be. And I'm just wondering, you know, what shows up for you? You know, what are the reasons why you believe that photography has the power to change people's lives? It was like, like you said, it was on such display last summer with all the protest photography for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, And I thought a lot last summer about like how power it depends like whose hands is it in? Like can, it can be really good or bad depending who holds that power. Um, So like in my local photography Facebook group, I feel like everyone has like this dreaded local photography Facebook group, but we had a lot of like (laughs) non-black photographers taking photos of protesters and not being mindful of keeping people's identities anonymous so that they couldn't be doxxed. And that was a lot of like back and forth telling people how like what you're doing is actually dangerous. Like this person has a tattoo that's visible and, They could be, you know, identified and potentially arrested and all these other things and seeing like white 
photojournalists like taking photos of like white people scrubbing the walls after there might have been like graffiti or something like it, it a story can be told in so many different ways depending on who's telling it and so yeah that was really kind of frustrating and empowering to see when it was done the right way with the people who should be telling the story um and for me like on a different side note like with the euphoria sessions i've been doing i've been like really shocked by how how much positive change can happen through photography I've had people like tell me that they were bawling at seeing themselves in an affirming way um, or that they never felt beautiful until the project. And someone told me that it was like the most euphoric best day of their life. And for me at the end of that shoot, I was like, I did such a bad job. Like the lighting wasn't good. Like we were late, the sun was going down. I didn't have enough. And I was so hard on myself. So to get to have an impact on someone in that way is like really surprising and exciting. And it's just such a cool thing to be able to make people maybe feel differently than they do about themselves normally and see themselves in a new light. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. There's so much juiciness <laughs> in what you said um, about considering like when you're doing journalistic photography, do you have consent of the people that you're photographing to publish mm-hmm. those images? And might you be potentially putting them in harm's way by doing so if you didn't get the consent? That's so, so important. So I don't want that to be lost on the listeners. And the other thing that really stood out to me is that when you're photographing others, you know, I think many times us as photographers, we can get caught up in the tech of everything. And I won't lie, I was definitely like a tech junkie and had to have like all this fancy lighting and different modifiers and things like that. Um, I really love being able to paint with light, so to speak. But at the end of the day, sometimes it really just boils down to how does the person you're photographing feel? Mm-hmm. How did you make them feel in that experience? And tech doesn't have anything to do with that. I feel like, thank God, because I'm so bad at painting light. <laughs> like you can use like light stands and stuff. And I'm like, Bob, natural light, please. That's so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said about natural light as well, though, that <laughs> I think many times on the other side of that type of experience, it can be more comfortable for people right off the break because there's not these foreign objects staring them in the face and flashing into their eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Well, you've shared quite a bit. And one of the things that you've talked about with me privately and also here a little bit is joy and how you see joy and capturing that joy is an act of rebellion. Could you explain what that means for you? Yeah. Aw. So I feel like it can be hard to like find joy in the news, especially if you're marginalized. So like right now as a trans person, it's like the trans, you know, day of remembrance is coming up and and that's totally valid. And we should be talking about how like 2021 was the deadliest year on record for trans and gender nonconforming people. And I, I think it's important to honor tragedy, but it's rare to see things like trans joy being celebrated. So finding ways to like capture joy, whether it's through photographing weddings for me, or these euphoria shoots that I've been doing has been really healing for me and for my clients, I hope and think. Um, I know that like, as I've been doing this LGBTQIA plus meetup for K through five kids in the area, like it's been kind of shocking to me, the hate mail we've received from people who don't want kids to be able to express joy, you know, in a way that's not in these like confined boxes of being like, in a binary. So it feels like it's an act of rebellion to kind of embrace our differences and put them on full display through photography when it feels 
safe enough for us, for us to be able to do that. Mm, thank you so much. And it just brings up so much for me. I think even for those that, you know, are active on social media, which most people listening here are, um, really being able to think about what that means for you, you know, um, because there's so much built into our culture and our society and into the algorithms that we're participating through Facebook, Instagram, and systems like that, that are mm -hmm. designed to keep you on a place based on the concept that humans are attracted to negativity and oppression. So yeah. continuing to spread images that are joyful and captions that are positive you know, is rebelling against even that type of system or that type of algorithm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's this weird line that sometimes happens, especially in the disabled community, where it's like they will display disabled joy in a way that's like inspiration porn. So like, that's not good. Like, I, that's not what it means for me to experience like disabled joy in photography and things like that. But yeah, finding that like middle ground is like, chef's kiss. I'm doing an awkward chef's kiss that you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can't talk about like capturing joy and love and all of those wonderful things without talking about visibility. And I think visibility is an interesting thing for photographers because you are literally like your, your job is literally to have something hiding your face. <laughs> The camera or the video yeah. video camera right in front of your face. And so I'm wondering from you, what does it mean to be invisible behind the camera? And what might some of the impl implications of that be? For me, I feel like it's gotten really interesting with COVID as well, because like not only am I hiding behind a camera, which is pretty intentional for me because I'm really shy and anxious and it's like my safe space to be on that side of it. But like wearing a mask as well it really has made me more vulnerable than I thought it would because like I rely so heavily on having my face seen by my clients and like being goofy and having this like personality show and they don't see any of it. Cause I just like have all this stuff in front of my face. Yes. I guess like just, I've been trying to push myself out there and be more visible since I am so invisible behind the camera. And that's looked like trying to take photos of myself and post them on Instagram so that like I can show up and be more vulnerable. I think, that especially with what I do where I'm like following people around on their wedding day for like eight hours, they don't really know me unless I let them. So finding ways to kind of show up and build trust and transparency with each other is really cool. And I know that like when I started as a photographer, people, it was this trend of like, you should have an account on social media where you're doing your professional work and you should have an account where you're, you're, you know, personal work. And for me, that's never worked. And I've always wanted to blend both of them because like, they're so connected and linked with who I am. So I try to just show up as myself and that looks like being a parent and all these other things. And hopefully along the way, like people can connect with me and it kind of affects who I have as my clients and who end up becoming my friends at the end of the day. Well, and I feel like I've watched your visibility transform so much over the last year or so. And I'm just curious to know, you know, what shifted I feel like you've been showing up even more and what sparked that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me happy. Um, so you're going to think this is like an ad for your group again, <laughs> but there was this post in the pause on the plate community. We have this like book club that you started, which is awesome. And there was a book that said, I think the title was like 
doing one thing every day that scares you or something like that. And I haven't even read the book, so I can't pretend like I'm super educated on the matter. But like seeing that post and seeing you and another one of the group members interact with each other about like how you're showing up every day in a way that kind of scares you, but it's worth it at the end of it. It like impacted me. And I every day I'm now trying to do something that kind of scares me. And as an anxious person, that's like very scary for me. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I don't know. It's just been it's been energizing and amplifying me to like just keep going. And it, yeah, the risks, you know, they're not so bad. I just have to break out in a rash occasionally. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I didn't even know that that had shown up for you, but it's, it's a book that I've talked about here on the podcast before that I feel like has been huge in changing some areas of my life and getting me to do very small things and working that like fear muscle and reminding myself that fear and excitement feel the same way in your body. Yeah. (laughs) As well as really big things. I am curious to know as well, like as you started (laughs) to show up more consistently and do more of the things that scare you, what kind of like shift in who you attracted or feedback you were receiving or engagement you were getting did you receive as well? Like, have you noticed Mm. any shifts there? Yeah. Like before when I, prior to taking like your course on, I'm sorry, I'm trying to like say this without just blatantly promoting you. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm like, you have like completely shifted how I am as a human being. But like the from implicit to explicit course with you and Erica, it it made me like relook my values and and how I wrote them on my website. I didn't even have any on my website. I kind of talked about my values, but I didn't have like a page you could go to to read about it. Um, after I did that, I noticed people showing up in my inbox and asking if I could shoot their wedding. But they would ask if I could shoot their wedding and also say like, hey, really like matters to me how much you value the blah, blah, blah community. And like, thank you for being so vocal. Um, And then from there, I felt like we could connect in a way that like, maybe we wouldn't have it kind of like fast forwarded our relationship. Um, And just like having people tell me that like, I'm impacting them or that they came out because they read my post, that kind of stuff has just like, made me weep at my computer. Um, And it's like, I know, like, for some, it's not like a huge fan base or anything, but just like having these little people who I'm influencing around my life, it's just not not that they're little, but <laughs> these little <laughs> moments. It's been really cool. I mean, and that's huge because I think sometimes people can get fixated on it needing to be a lot of people, but mm-hmm. honestly, impacting a small number of people in really huge ways is so important and maybe even better than, as our as one of our guests says, Ashley Gartland, better than being big. Yeah, I, I've noticed that like some of those shifts that you're talking about is a shifting in who you attracted, but it also sounds like you were able to build a deeper, more meaningful relationship much faster because you were connecting over what actually matters to them. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that that's translated at all into like additional referrals um, or continuing of the relationships beyond the photography services? Yeah, I find that like, of my clients turn into friends and I don't know if that's healthy or not. Like I talk through it in therapy, (laughs) but like (laughs) these people are my support and I am theirs and it's just nice. Like we will talk about things like gender identity or things like accessibility and like how frustrating it is that the industry isn't accessible to people really. And it's just been nice to have people in my corner and vice versa to kind of not only just talk about weddings, but like talk about each other's kids and check in as our families grow and things like that. Well, I want to 
note, right, that what you said, some of the things that you're talking about are exactly what people tell service industry professionals, especially photographers, to not talk about with their clients. Yes. <laughs> what would you say to someone who's been given that rhetoric of like, you don't talk about politics, religion, gender, or anything controversial? Yeah. I mean, that makes me sad for them. I can't imagine what their shoots must look like. Like when I go on a shoot, I don't want to just like talk about TV shows, which I do, but like, I want to go beyond that and talk about like who people are as human beings, because like, I feel like as soon as you get to actually know each other, they can be more intimate in front of you for the camera and for photos. And and your work is just going to improve once you start to like really look inside, like who the actual person is versus just like, I set up my lights, everything's perfect. Let's go. Like this is a human being. They might've had a really bad day and need you to just like, let them have a second to breathe through anxiety and talk to them. And that should be fine. And maybe It takes up more time in your day, but work it out in your pricing and adjust accordingly and be a nice person. Yeah, I've always felt like even before I'd ever picked up the camera, like professionally, that you can just kind of tell in the pictures when someone has truly taken the time to get to know who they're photographing and create the space for them to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or to feel really uncomfortable, depending on what the shoot is, but that they feel... (laughs) safe enough to do that with that person versus having like just a pretty picture. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like for me in the wedding industry, like it tends to trend toward just having pretty photos. Like let's get a photo of the shoes on a windowsill with like all the styled things around it. And that's cool for people, you know, who like doing that. But for me, it's more about like really capturing things as they happen and having things happen organically and letting things you know, letting things just have hiccups, like people are going to be late, people aren't going to know how to tie a bow tie, that's fine, we'll figure it out and capture the awkwardness along the way, because that can be some of the best photos. Absolutely. Well, I feel like I could talk to you forever. But one of the things that I want (laughs) to, well, and we we do talk a lot. So transparency (laughs) here, (laughs) Shannon and I chat a lot. But I think one of the things that is really standing out to me for today And I definitely want to have you come back to the show as well at a future time Um, is that the changes and shifts that you're talking about that have happened and some of the things that have been on your radar as you're questioning your industry and how you show up and being more visible and the kind of conversations that you're having is that it's completely changed the experience that your clients have. It's also opened up some doors and and windows and all of the openings for you as far as how you're viewing what's possible. I mean, you started an entire like nonprofit organization designed to be able to help other people feel completely confident and affirmed in how they want to be seen. And it's created so much impact. Um, And I don't want that to be lost in this interview. So if there was anything that you could say to someone who is listening and they're like, I'm just a hobby photographer, or I just take pictures of my family sometimes, or, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but, you know, I'm not quite sure how I can create impact or what my power is as a photographer. What would you tell them? I feel like there's a lot of people who kind of judge these like newbie photographers. I know when I started, people labeled me as like a momtographer. So like try to push aside all the outward things that are being projected onto you uh, and just like focus on what makes you 
excited to be a photographer. For me, that's not tech stuff and that's not gear stuff. That is like so scary to me. And I'm quite terrible when it comes to like figuring out like the Kelvin that like, I don't know what I'm doing at all, to be honest. Um, I don't even use that. I have a degree uh, in photography. (laughs) So like for me, that looks like I get really excited about relationship building and discussing things with clients like consent and body image and accessibility and like representation and just like knowing how anxiety inducing the process of getting photos is as a human who has anxiety. Like that for me was where I was like, that's my sweet spot. I want to make sure that I am talking to these people. Like on my homepage, I say blatantly, like anyone who's anxious, like I'm your person. Um, and, and really sink into that, like be empathetic instead of telling people like, you'll be great. You could use it as an opportunity to really dig into what's going on. Like those feelings don't come from nowhere. So find ways to make sessions feel safer and more nurturing. And you're going to get such beautiful images out of the experience. Mm, I love that. So I always like to make sure that people aren't just procrastinating, as I call it, where you're (laughs) massively listening to episodes, but you're not doing anything with what you've learned. (laughs) Um, If you could give the listeners one action, what action would you want them to take from this episode? Mm, This is always my favorite part of your episode. I'm always like, okay, Shannon, do something instead of just like smiling and listening in my kitchen while I wash dishes. Um, (laughs) So I I promise I'll actually answer. Uh, So I guess if you're a photographer or you're just someone who likes photography, I would recommend going on social media if that's accessible to you. And if you like Instagram uh, and find and follow like a few photographers who don't look like you in your community and try to make sure it's not done in a performative way, like use it as a starting off point for relationship building. Because as a photographer, there's so many ways and, and opportunities for me to like amplify other people's voices, whether it's through sending along referrals or just facilitating connections with other vendors. I find that most of the referral groups I'm in, which are kind of Facebook based, are predominantly white and not representative of the community I'm in. So I try to be intentional about like making those groups safer and more inclusive. And that's going to really go a long way when the clients are looking for people whose values align. So that's one thing I would recommend. (laughs) Ooh, I love that suggestion. Uh, Especially because like once you're really in it, I, I feel like especially in the wedding industry, it's just like, I don't know what it is, but every year there'd be like that two or three days that everyone's getting married on the same day or everyone's Mm. having some type of celebration or event on the same day. So you're going to have to refer out and wouldn't it be great to be able to refer out to a diverse group of individuals instead of just Mm -hmm. more of the same? Absolutely. Okay. So I know this episode is going to be a little bit different, but do you feel like there's one action that you'd want someone to take if maybe they don't do a lot of photographing of people um, (laughs) or they're not a photographer? But maybe they're listening and there's somebody who gets photographed pretty frequently. I would say as ugh, as a photographer, like when I'm photographing people, I like them to just show up as who they are. So if you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're going to be photographed and you don't normally wear like heels and a dress and like have your hair done, don't do it. Like just be yourself, like wear jeans and a comfy sweater and please just try to like sink into who you are as a human being because your photos are going to be so much better. Like. As a photographer, I get kind of frustrated when people get all glitzy and glamorous when that's not who they are as a person. Um, and it, it can really affect the photos because like people are uncomfortable and they're like, I can't kiss my partner because I have lipstick on. Like, 
be yourself. <laughs> I'm just like shaking my computer and no one's here. It's weird. <laughs> I feel like I sound like Mr. Rogers, but I'm like, just be yourself. <laughs> it's simple, <laughs> but do it. I so love that answer. Oh my goodness. Because it would have been the same one that I would have had back in the day when I was photographing people. You can totally feel um, when people are showing up as themselves in the image. And also remember, like if it's a special event, a, a milestone birthday, a celebration, um, a wedding, right? Mm -hmm. You get these moments photographed most likely that one time. And so mm -hmm. you want to be able to look back on those photos 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and feel like the person you're looking at was you. Yeah. And, and like what let you your... thought you needed to be. Exactly. And if you have children in your life and they're being photographed, like let them be themselves, let them get messy, let them run in the woods, let them get dirt on them, let them shove cake in their face. Like those photos that are candid are going to probably be your favorites versus the staged like forcing your kid to smile at the camera, giving them lollipops every five seconds, like that stuff you can really feel when it's off. And yeah, just do what you normally do. You'll be great. Well, I know that many of the listeners that have been on this journey with me for long before Flaunt Your Fire was even called Flaunt Your Fire are somewhat local to you because uh, I'm from the Washington, D.C. area and you're in Philly. So if they were interested in working with you and hiring you to be their photographer, how could they reach out? How, where would you want them to find you? Oh, I would be so excited. My website is shannoncollins.com and I'm on Instagram at shannoncollinsphoto. And also Euphoria is www.euphoria.org. <laughs> sound like a little car salesperson. <laughs> well, and you actually went to my second question, which is for someone who's not local, but they're curious about learning more about Euphoria. Could you tell them a little bit about what Euphoria is doing in the community and how they can support you? Aw, you make me happy, India. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just, it's so it's myself. We have a stylist and we have a hair and makeup artist and we're all queer identifying. Um, and we're working with people who are in their mid-20s and younger in the Philadelphia area who apply. We're just working with anyone who applies, essentially. And it's mutually aid-funded. So if people want to donate, they can do so on the website. Um, if they want to, like, volunteer any kind of services or anything like that, like, any kind of goods. We've been like talking to people who provide mental health services and how that might look to kind of connect in that way or clothing and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something you can get involved with, even if you're not local to the area, but it's been really fun. We were trying to do like one to two shoots per month because we're all kind of busy, but hopefully that will increase as our funds increase. And I just am looking into hiring a fundraising consultant since that is way over my head, but we have like GoFundMe and Venmo and all the other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want to remind you as a listener, um, because I know many of you own clothing companies and makeup brands and product-based businesses, right? Where you're offering something that's not a service, that one of the greatest things that you can do, and it's probably a tax write-off too, I think. So, I mean, don't quote me on that. I'm not <laughs> your tax person. But <laughs> one of the most um, easy things that you can do for an organization like this is to submit makeup for the makeup artists for these shoots to use. Um, and that's really being able to support them because of course, as you know, makeup costs money, skincare products, um, foundations, things like that cost money. Um, 
to be able to continue to replenish a makeup artist kit for these types of projects. Um, you can submit clothing, shoes, accessories. I mean, so many pieces go into a photography session, hair products, tools, and all of these are truly contributing to this group of youth being able to be photographed in a way that feels true to who they are and celebrates that instead of making them feel like they have to fit into some kind of societal box, which unfortunately can be the standard when we work with photographers who are not doing the deeper work that you're doing, Shannon. Mm, thank you for saying that. It's been really cool like being able to offer things like a binder or shapewear to people who have had no access to that. And it's just really, it's just affirming and makes such a big difference in how they walk around in the world day to day. Absolutely. Oh, all right. Well, I know that we are getting a little bit longer in today's episode, so I can't leave without asking <laughs> you what fawning your fire means for you right now. Uh, for me, I feel like it means being a disruptor and kind of leading by example, but also showing my imperfections, which is something I feel like has been encouraged in the pause of the play community. Again, <laughs> trying to throw that out there. Please join. We're amazing. Um, <laughs> and it just like promoting myself and taking on more leadership roles has been a goal of mine this year. Yeah, I've noticed so many of the conversations that you're having are so powerful and I just want to make sure that the listeners are able to take in some of those conversations. So can you share your Instagram one more time so they can check out the types of conversations you're having and the fire that you're flaunting over there? Yee, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's at Shannon Collins photo. And you'll be able to find the link for that as well as all of the other contacts for Shannon in the show notes over at flauntyourfire.com slash show, as well as in the episode description on whatever podcast app you're listening to this episode from. Now, if you've enjoyed this conversation with Shannon as much as I have, I am also going to encourage you to <laughs> go ahead and pull out whatever device you're listening from today and do a quick search in your app for pause on the play. Again, that's pause on the play. And that is our sister podcast where Shannon is talking with Erica Corday and you'll be able to get to hear <laughs> an interesting conversation that we've had over there about love. I mean, love is in the air right now. The, at the time that this is being released, so many people are getting engaged. It's engagement season in the United States. And when people are getting newly engaged, one of the first things that they start thinking about is planning some type of ceremony for their wedding. And you'll get to dig into what that looks like and some things that you've probably never considered and some normals that we are disrupting about the wedding industrial complex over there on the Pause on the Play podcast. So again, open up your app and do a search for Pause on the Play and you'll get to hear Shannon's interview there where we'll be inspiring you to reconsider what you think is normal within the wedding industrial complex. And specifically, we're also going to be talking about exploring the absence of love from this love industry. I'm so excited. And I'm just going to say thank you, even though I'm not allowed to talk right now. <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to say anything. I'm like, I think this is where you normally throw an ad in or something, but I'm just going to be like, thank you. Love you. <laughs>
Too funny. Thank you so, so much, funny. Shannon. Is there anything else that you might want to add in that we didn't cover? Oh, no, I'm super happy and grateful that you had me. Thank you. You are so welcome. Ah, I love chatting with Shannon. I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation here today. And it really just brings to the forefront of my mind one of the things that we've chatted about, which is that, you know, visibility isn't just important for your brand and for your business. Visibility is important as a human, and it can really have an impact overall with your well-being, your happiness, your joy, and feeling like you are able to be witnessed. You are able to be appreciated by others. And in that process of being visible, especially when it includes photographs and sharing that visibility with others, you also are opening up the opportunity for others to see themselves in your content. I want to remind you whether you identify as that person taking photographs or that person being photographed, or maybe even neither, that you have so much more power and influence than you can ever imagine. And sometimes a simple act of showing your joy and sharing that with people has the power to change their life. As this year comes to a close and another year comes to a beginning, I think it's a wonderful time to begin to reconnect with what is essential for you in your life, in your family, in your business, in your work. It's a wonderful time to begin to explore all of those areas and really get back to what is most important. What do you value the most? What needs to come to the forefront? And what might need to be minimized in order to make more space for the most essential things? And this is something that we're talking about actively in Pause on the Play, the community. You can join us in these conversations as we share prompts with you, as we share questions and conversations to help you reconnect with what is essential and identify that and also begin to explore what shifts and changes you can make to make more room for the essential things. One of the things that has come up for me in this process of letting go of old digital clutter and physical clutter, which as a minimalist, I don't have a lot, but it is there. (laughs) And as I reconnect with what's essential for me, has been revisiting some of the passions that I have and hobbies that I have. And one of those things for me was photography. Photography started as a hobby Um, when I was really little. I mean, I was about six using my grandmother's Polaroid camera, sneaking it, you know, Um, and taking pictures of family members with that. And as I've reconnected with that creativity and really begun to honor how important it is for me to have the space to be creative I've also begun to look at some other things that have just kind of taken up too much space that can begin to get minimized so that there is more room for that creative expression and that freedom. And one of the things that I've found is that the more space that I've made for that, the more innovation has happened. Um, I have ideas coming to me in the shower. I have new thoughts coming to me while I'm trying to sleep of concepts and strategies for clients and concepts and strategies for friends and new recipes that I want to try and just so much is coming up out of making that space to be more creative 
as well as setting the intention that I want more creativity and more joy and more freedom in my life. If you would like to join me along with Erica Corday and wonderful members like Shannon Collins on this deep dive of reconnecting with what's essential for you, which may be different than what's essential for us, I am going to encourage you to open up your browser and do a search for pauseontheplay.com slash community. Go ahead and enter that in or take a look at the show notes for the link and sign up today and join us. Coming up on the show is a variety of amazing guests and really cool topics that we haven't dug into here quite as much yet. So I'm so excited for all of the interviews. And one of the ones that I can't wait to tell you about is I interviewed Lucia. Lucia has a background in spiritual psychology as well as photography. And Lucia specifically is going to be chatting with you and with me about digging into confidence. I have so many people say that I seem like I have so much confidence when I show up and I'm visible through the podcast or through interviews or on video. And <laughs> I will tell you that that has definitely been working a confidence muscle. It is not something that comes natural for me. And Lucia is going to be sharing some insights into what it takes to feel more confident from Lucia's perspective. Uh, she's going to be digging into authentic expression. So that way, when you're showing up and being visible, you're also being visible as your authentic self. We're going to be talking about vulnerability and even exploring taking some of your own photographs of yourself and why that's so important. So make sure that you do not miss that episode by heading into your podcast app of choice and following Flaunt Your Fire so you can get notified when it's released. Ah, I'm so excited to be releasing this episode, Lucia, and you won't want to miss it. This episode of Flaunt Your Fire is brought to you by Pause on the Play. You can learn more about its community, workshops, and podcasts by visiting pauseontheplay.com. The Flaunt Your Fire podcast is recorded on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is known by many as the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., and its surrounding Maryland and Virginia area. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?